This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on PetLifeRadio.com. I am your host, Ty Brown of DogTrainerSalesClub.com. And this is the show where we help you start or grow your pet-related business to a healthy six figures per year or more income. And today we're going to be talking about follow-up, one of the most misunderstood things in the dog business. Stay with us. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right, welcome back, guys. I'm happy to have you on today because I'm going to share one of the things that has helped us get to a multi-million dollar dog training business, multi-million dollar per year dog training business. And if you were to ask me of all the things that we've done, in order to get to those annual numbers and said, which is the most important? <sighs> I'd be hard pressed to not say this one thing. You know, it's like saying, which is your favorite kid or what's your favorite movie? You know, it's hard to pick just that one. And so, I don't know, maybe you catch me on a different day and I'm going to give you a different answer. But as I was creating notes for this particular podcast, I was thinking just how critical this is and realizing, man, this this might be the one thing that separates us from other businesses, the one thing that we do way better that separates us from other businesses that has allowed us to get to multi-seven-figure business. I say that because as a dog training company, there's a lot of dog trainers out there who I think are really good, who are making 50000 100000 150000 200000 And so quality of training may or may not be better, and yet we're still doing far higher revenue. Or I think about you know personality, or I think about branding, or I think about website design, or I think about all these things that go into you know our sales and the sales of other dog trainers, for example, and we aren't markedly better. Now, I do think that we are better training for our particular client that we like to go after. I do think we have a good website. I do think we have good salespeople. I do think we have a lot of really good stuff, but not on such a level that it's way better that now we're able to earn so much more. I think the reason we're able to earn so much more is because of this concept we're going to talk about today, which is follow-up. All right. Now, let me talk about follow-up, and I want to, I don't know, burst a bubble, break a myth, but when I'm talking about follow-up, 
this gets brought up a lot on different like Facebook groups for, I see this for dog trainers and pet groomers and dog walkers and things like that. So this gets brought up a lot, but the idea of follow-up I'm talking about, I'll give you an example. You know, I saw somebody on a Facebook group for dog trainers recently say, hey, how often do you follow up with a lead? You know, so somebody uh, messages your website or whatever. How much follow-up do you do? How often do you do? And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, and this isn't the first time I've seen this topic, but overwhelmingly, the response was, I follow up one time because if they're interested, they'll get back to me. And this is the biggest <laughs> garbage about marketing, about sales that you can find. Because, I mean, it does happen, right? You know, somebody reaches out to you, you reach out to them, they don't pick up the phone or whatever, but then they reach back out to you. I mean, of course that happens. That's, you know, business happens like that every day. But people have way more on their plates than their dog. And so I say that because oftentimes people conflate their lack of following up with you as them not being committed to their dog, as them not being committed to whatever it is that you're selling, whether you're a dog trainer, pet sitter, dog walker, dog groomer, veterinarian, whatever. They say, well, if they're not following up with me, they must not be that interested. And it's almost like I say, it's almost as if people forget how busy everybody's life is. And that, yes, the dog is super important. And you, working in the dog industry, all you think about all day, every day is dogs. And so here you're thinking like, well, they must not be that interested if they didn't reach back out. And here they are thinking, oh, I need training for this dog. This dog's chewing up all my stuff. Oh, man, my kid's science project is due on Friday. Oh, I've got this big work report coming up next week. You know, I've got a date night with the wife this weekend. I've got, you know, oh, we've got that vacation coming up in June that we got to plan for. Uh, you know, I've got this church commitment, whatever, right? They've, they've got a million things on their plate and their dog is very important. One of the most important things. But that doesn't mean that the dog necessarily then takes, you know, absolute priority over everything else. And it doesn't mean that if their dog doesn't take absolute priority over everything else, that they're not going to be a good client for you, or they're not going to be somebody that's serious or committed to the process. It's completely false. I've been doing this for years and years, and I have never found any correlation between people I have to follow up with and them not being good clients. I have had some of those people not be good clients, and then I have had some people who are great at follow-up who are bad clients. And so there is no correlation. It's simply a made-up narrative inside the mind of dog trainers and pet sitters and dog walkers and dog groomers to justify our own laziness, which is, to me, this is the ironic part. Because people say, hey, if they're not following up with me, they're not serious, maybe they're lazy about their dog. When in reality, us not following up, us the business owners, the businesses that are serving these clients, not following up, we're being lazy. Because we're saying you'd better prioritize everything else. If not, it's not worth it to me. I'm not going to spend the time following up with somebody who's not prioritizing their dog above everything else. And so, like I say, it's laziness on our part, you know, the, the dog business owner's part, if we're not doing follow-up. So, like I say, very important to remember that people have so much on their plate that expecting them to be stellar at getting back to you and you not doing any follow-up is just a pipe dream. All right. Like I say, especially in the dog training industry. Now, I think this will, uh, I think this will pass over to other industries as well. The pet sitting, the dog walking, the dog grooming. But oftentimes, you'll hear dog trainers say, "Oh, I won't follow up because if I'm the one that's following up, it shows that I'm more committed to their dog than they are." 
And those are the people who are not going to put in the work. So if they do end up becoming a client, they won't put in the work. And I just wanted to kind of go off on a little bit of a side note here because I have a theory on why people don't put in the work. And this is people who don't put in the work on their dog's coat for dog groomers. This is people who don't put in the work on getting their dog exercised for dog walkers. This is people who won't put in the work on preventative care for their dog for the veterinarians. I firmly believe that people are not putting in the work with their animals because of confusion about what they're supposed to be doing. So for example, within our industry of dog training, one thing we hear a lot is like, oh, I can't get my clients to do, to do the work. They're lazy. They're this, that, or the other, right? And so I heard this for years and it bothered me. And one of the ways I've been able to run my business is by finding things that bother me and asking questions around them and asking questions around them to myself, you know, just kind of internally for weeks, months, or even years. And one of the biggest questions I've been asking myself for years is why? Why would somebody give me, let's say $2,000 to train their dog, understanding that there's work involved and then not put in the work? I mean, that makes no sense. And some people might say, oh, just people are lazy. But are they? People get up every day and go to work. People maintain households. People go to college. People start businesses. People work in their yards. People, are people lazy? I mean, I guess to a degree, I would say that most people are lazy with something. You know, I'm lazy with yard work. I won't do it. Therefore, we hire somebody to do it. But anyways, most people are not lazy by nature. And so the question remains. And like I say, this is a question that I've been with for years. Like, why would somebody do this? And so I go to the, the narrative. Well, they're lazy. I don't believe that they are. Well, they don't want to do the work. I don't believe that either. I don't believe, and I'm talking in generalities here. There's always going to be someone that hires you and they're lazy and what, whatever. But I'm speaking in generalities here that um, most people are not lazy. Most people are willing to do the work. So why? Why would they not do the work? And so as I've sat with that question for years and years and years, I've come to the belief and I believe that my belief is somewhat true because I believe that I have data that proves it out. Not data in spreadsheets, but I'll tell you what I mean. I believe I have data that bears it out because years ago, I decided to take the responsibility onto myself. Not 100%, but I decided, hey, let's take the responsibility onto ourselves and say, maybe there's something we can do better such that our clients put in more work. What can we do? And as I started going through and as we started making changes, the biggest changes I made were all about making this more clear and removing obstacles for our clients, making it more clear with, let me give you ideas here. So making it more clear might be scripting, right? So an average dog trainer might say, okay, I need you to do, uh, you might do a training session um, and I need you to do this, this, and this. Okay. See you in a couple weeks. Well, can we make that scripting more clear? Can we do notes for them? Can we have resources, online resources for them that make it clear what they're supposed to be doing? What can we do to make that more clear? Because one thing I've found, especially in the sales process, and frankly, getting clients to do the work with their dogs is a sales process. But there's a truth, a truism within sales that a confused mind does not act. A confused mind does not move forward. And so if we accept that is true, and I do, if we accept that is true, then removing confusion will help the mind move forward. 
And so that's where, like I say, we took it upon ourselves to look at any point within the process and say, where is confusion potentially happening? And taking ego out of it. And this was important because oftentimes, you know, it's easy for a business owner or somebody within an industry to say, no, 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 I explained it well enough, or I did this well enough, or we gave them enough resources. And to get that ego involved, whereas taking the ego out and saying, uh, maybe there's something I can do better is a huge, huge way to start moving forward. So as we did this, we found scripting. We found software tools. We created online resources and we started creating so much stuff so that it was so much easier for our clients to get through the process. And I don't think we'll ever be done. This is something we're still in the process of. But so much stuff to make it so much easier for our clients to get through the process that more and more we have less and less problems. And that's my data, right? And so I can't put it on a spreadsheet, but we used to have a lot more clients and we still have client problems. You know, of course, we still have clients that are not happy with something that, you know, with the results that they get with their dog or with the messaging that we've given them or the clarity that we've done. We still have that. That's us continually trying to train our people and, and whatnot. So that's that's going to exist. That does exist. That I believe that will always exist. But as we have striven, strived? As we strive, what's the right derivation of that word? As we strive to remove all of that, we have found that there are less and less problems in the training. And so I would suggest that you perhaps do that exercise and you start asking yourself, why, 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 why? Why would somebody pay me and then not follow through when they knew that they were going to have to follow through? Maybe they didn't know what they were going to have to follow through with. Can you make that more clear? Or maybe once they're in the process, they're not quite clear on what they should be doing. So anyways, that's my theory. And like I say, I believe it's borne out by data because we continue growing and as we grow, I have less and less problems to deal with. And so that tells me, that data tells me that we are doing better and better and better with our messaging and clarifying things for people. And that will never be perfect, but we're getting better and better and better. But like I say, I use this as a counterpoint against people who say, I will not follow up with dog owners because if I do, that means that they are going to be lazy, that they're the lazy type who are not going to put in the work. And I would counter that and say, we do an enormous amount of follow-up. But I'm here in a second, we're going to take a break and then I'm going to give you some data on what happens with our follow-up. We do an enormous amount of follow-up, probably more than any dog training company in the world. Maybe not, but close, if not, if not in the world. We do an enormous amount of follow-up and we have very few clients these days who don't put in the work. So I believe the data tells me that there's something else afoot about clients who won't put in the work. And I believe that we can look inward as an industry to figure out the answers to that question. All right. So we're going to take a break and I'm going to come back with some data. I'm going to tell you what happens when we follow up. I'm going to tell you the results percentage wise of what our follow up looks like and the different places that we can follow up. So stay right with us. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E. 
T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're back. And so we're talking about follow-up. The whole first half of this show, I'm talking about the whole mindset behind follow-up, about how there is a broken mindset in our industry that if you follow up, they're going to be bad clients, or they should be the ones following up with me if they're going to be serious. And like I say, I believe that's completely bunk and garbage, frankly, garbage. Don't think that way. So let me talk numbers. And the numbers I'm going to talk about are first sales. Well, actually, all of this is going to be sales follow-up. But let me talk about the front end of what we would call our sales funnel. So we have a sales funnel where somebody comes to our website, somebody comes to one of our ads, somebody enters our universe, one of our online digital properties, and they say, I think I might be interested in dog training. And so they enter their information, they enter their name, their phone number, and their email. And once they do, we start following up. Now, we have done various types of follow-up over the years, and and so what I want to do is share with you what the data tells us about the efficacy of follow-up. Because what we follow up with the end goal is that somebody books a phone call. We want them to book a phone call so that we can talk to them about their dog. And at times on that phone call, we try to sell them. And at other times, we try to get them into an evaluation where we can sell them. So, But everything is geared towards getting them on a phone call right? Because that's where the the sales process starts. Well, I shouldn't say it starts, but that's the manual portion of, well, that's, that's not even sure either. But that's the part that really kicks off the sales process. Let me put it that way. So yeah. And here's the numbers that we found based off of the various types of follow-up that we've done. So one type of follow-up that we've done is completely automated. And so it's automation tools. There's a software that we have. And in fact, if you're interested in the software, it's an amazing software. And go over to dogtrainersalesclub.com and you can check out the software that we use. But anyways, so the software, what it does is the lead comes in and the software sends them a text, sends them an email and basically says like, hey, you know, we'd love to book an appointment you know, go here and book a call. If they book a call, you know, the software stops following up with them. If they don't book a call, the software keeps following up with them. And it follows up trying to get them to book a call or trying to get them to start a conversation by just texting back or emailing back. And if they take one of those actions, they text back, then the software stops trying to follow up with them. Anyways, it's a really great software. And we found that it has about 25 to 30% efficacy all on its own. So if all we do is let the software do its job, about 25 to 30%, maybe 35% will book a call, which is great, you know, because we don't have to lift a finger and, you know, about a third of people, uh, well, a quarter to a third of people will book a call and then we hop on a call. And then of course, you know, that takes us to the next part of our sales process. And so by itself, 25, 30, 33, 35% is pretty typical. Now, a little while ago, we invested in some artificial intelligence software. And the artificial intelligence software doesn't get deep, you know, with um, with the leads, it, it, but it's much more responsive, right? And so it basically the artificial intelligence software is like, hey, you know, we'd love to get you in for an appointment. You know, when do you have available? And starts talking to them. It doesn't pre-qualify them on anything, but it's, you know, it's it does a really good job of like being responsive. So the person texts back like, yeah, I have Thursdays open. And then the software reads our, you know, reads our availability and says, hey, how about Thursday at 3 or 4 p.m.? Whatever, right? And so just by being more responsive, we find that that software gets us about 40 to 45, sometimes 
So the only difference is being a little bit more responsive. And to me, this is huge data. And you might be saying, that's not that impressive data. But to me, <laughs> to me, it is. Because let's say we're at 25, 30%, and now we go to 40 to 45% or 50%. That is almost, well, so 25 to 50% is double. But, you know, 30 to 45%, you know, that is a huge, huge increase in response. You know, what that means is, you know, let's say out of uh, out of 100 leads, we would have had 30% getting on the phone. Now we have, so 30 people. Now we have 45 people getting on the phone. So out of the same amount of leads, we're getting 15 more people on the phone. And we, you know, in our business, we do a lot of lead generation. And so 15 extra people to talk to per 100 is huge. Because, you know, that's going to be, you know, potentially, well, when you work it down, five, six sales is what that's going to work out to. Because some people aren't going to answer the phone. Some people aren't. Anyway, so five or six sales and an average ticket being around 2000 plus. So that's an extra ten, twelve thousand $12,000 out of those 100 leads. That's huge. An extra ten dollars or $12,000 for that particular time period out of the same leads is huge. That's massive. And so whatever that time period is, I'm just trying to think like, you know, so in one of our locations, that might be, you know, an extra ten dollars to $12,000 every two weeks. In another one of our locations, that might be per month, you know, because we've got some locations that are busier than others. And so an extra $20,000 a month, $25,000 a month is huge, obviously. An extra $10,000 a month is huge. And so so that's where I say, like, just being a little bit more responsive. Now, not everyone is going to be able to afford AI or whatever, but everyone can be more responsive because like I say, if it's just automated, we're getting a certain number. And by just being a little bit more responsive, not even being skilled, not even having sales technique, none of that, just being more responsive ends up with a huge increase in conversions. So I say that because you can apply that in your business. You can be the one, you know, because maybe you just got a small dog training business or dog walking business. As leads come in, you could act the part of AI and just be really good at following up with people. Because what we found, so this is a third amount, the combo of automation and manual gets about 60 to 70%. And so if you've got a little bit of automation and you combine that with outreach, like making phone calls and stuff like that, you can generally expect to get about 60 to 70% of people to get into a sales conversation. And so all along the way, there's tools, there's automation, there's artificial intelligence, there's, there's manual stuff, but the same leads... And mind you, you know, some people might say, well, well, yeah, you're getting more people to respond, but they weren't that interested because they, you know, they weren't the ones that were, nope, we've already handled that. We don't get worse clients because we reach out a lot, but we get more clients because we reach out a lot. There's a, uh, any of you have kids? How do your kids get what they want? Because they ask a lot. <laughs> How do the kids get that candy? How do they get that video game? Because they ask a lot. And I don't want to reduce what we do to like being a pest you know, because we want to be a welcome guest, not an uninvited pest. But asking more gets us more ability to sell. Just bottom line, just numbers. So for example, like if we might reach out 10 times in the first week, if you reach out one time in the first week and I reach out 10 times in the first week after somebody reaches out, the chances of me talking to them are 10 times higher. I mean, there's probably some other statistics to take into account, but my ability to talk to them goes up exponentially because I'm willing to put into place automation systems, artificial intelligence, phone calls. I'm willing to put into place systems for reaching out to people that other dog trainers are not. 
And therefore, with the same amount of leads, I will always make more money than somebody who is not willing to reach out. And so somebody who's got those 100 leads and I'm maybe getting 60 sales appointments out of those 100 leads and someone who's doing no follow-up will probably get 10 sales appointments or five because we haven't even talked about that. People who do no follow-up, you know, all they do is, you know, follow up that one time. They're probably getting five to 10 out of 100. I'm getting six times the response out of the same amount of leads because I'm willing to put in, you know, systems and processes. So, so like I say, where I was saying, like, what is it about that we've been able to create a multi-million dollar business? Is it that we're, we're way better at dog training? No, I think we're better than most, but I don't think we're way better. Is it that, you know, we've got a better website? No, I think we have a better one than most, but not way better. Is it that, and we can go through the whole list and I can't come up with anything other than we're willing to follow up far more than other people are willing to follow up. And therefore, we simply get more opportunities to sell our services to people. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Sorry. Um, but no, that's uh, literally, that's that's the bottom line is that even artificial intelligence or even just pure automation that reaches out once a day and says, hey, we'd love to get a phone call booked with you. Just that is going to drastically increase the income of somebody because that follow-up is occurring. It's huge. It's huge. So like I say, I want to talk about some more follow-up and I want to talk about, yeah, so I do want to talk about some more, but I just want to hammer home this idea that I don't think we're perfect at follow-up. We're trying to get better at it, but it's kind of like a bear attack, right? And what do they say about if you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the guy that's next to you. And so I'm willing to be faster. In real life, I'm not very fast. I'm not a good runner. I'm not in great shape. But in business life, I am willing to run faster as far as follow-up than any other dog trainer. And that doesn't mean I'm a better dog trainer. It doesn't mean any of that. But I'm willing to run faster than other dog trainers when it comes to follow-up. And therefore, I get far more opportunities to have sales appointments with people that are interested in dog training. And the other thing I want to point out is when you're competing for business, you are competing against the other dog trainer. You are competing against the other dog sitter and the other dog walker and the other grooming shop and the other veterinary office. But more than that, you're competing against nothing. You're competing against apathy. You're competing against laziness. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, because this is going to be true for just about any dog service. So I was doing a thought experiment the other day. And I was thinking about our Utah, we've got locations of our dog training company, you know, in several different locations around the country, but I started the business in Utah. And in Utah, we've got, I think, 11 or 12 trainers that work for us on our team. And uh, anyways, you know, it's, we do a lot of business out of Utah. So I know the area pretty well. And I was trying to figure out how many like dog trainers are in the area. And I'm not talking about like PetSmart, Petco, like cheapy dog training, because I don't even think that's like a competitor for what most of us actual dog trainers who do this for a living do. So I was thinking of that, you know, dog trainers that sell stuff at a real price, you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks, 3000 bucks. And I, I put a guess on it from my research of about a hundred and that might be high, but let's say there's about a hundred dog trainers who are working, who get clients in Utah. And let's say on average, they're getting about six clients a month. And that might even be high too. I don't know. So if we did the math, that's 600, 600 dogs a month. And so if you do that over a year, that's 7,200 dogs. And so I said, hey, let's just round way up. Let's say 10,000. And so let's say over the course of a year, 10,000 dogs in Utah go through a real training program. 
Again, not some cheapy group class, but a real training program. 10,000. Well, how many dogs are in Utah? And so I did some math. There's about a million households, just over a million households in Utah. And if you do the math about in America, how many people own dogs and how many dogs are in households, that's roughly 400,000. Now, I know, you know, dogs, of course, live 10 to 12 years, but we're talking in any given year, there's probably roughly 400,000 dogs in Utah and probably roughly 10,000 are going through some sort of real training program. Now, I know that not every dog needs a training program, but most do. They really do, and most don't get it, but most need it. And what the numbers are telling us is that if in any given year there's 400,000 dogs, and any given year 10,000 of them are going through training, I don't even know what that number is. What is that? Uh, anyways, it's a tiny fraction of a percent. Not of a percent. It's a tiny percentage is what I'm getting at. A tiny fraction of the dogs in Utah, a tiny percentage, are getting actual training. And so... That's the case all over the country when it comes to grooming, when it comes to pet sitting, dog walking, that you are competing against other dog trainers, pet sitters, dog walkers, veterinarians. But for the most part, you're competing against people doing nothing, that they need the training and they just don't get it. They need the pet sitting and they just don't get it. They need the dog walking. They just don't get it. They need the grooming. They just don't get it. That's what we're competing against. And so when I'm willing to do more follow-up than other dog trainers, I'm going to beat them out a lot of the times because I'm doing more than them, but I'm also going to be winning against apathy because oftentimes that apathy goes away with the more touches. The more somebody gets reminders about what you do, they're like, ah, I really do need to get that dog trained. Ah, I really do need to get that dog groomed. Ah, I really do need to get some dog walking for this dog. The more reminders they get, the less apathetic they become to their problems. So very important to understand. Now, I've only got a couple minutes left here. So I want to talk about follow-up after a sales consult. And this goes for, you know, most of you out there because a lot of pet sitters and dog walkers have a sales phone call. A lot of groomers have a sales phone call. Dog trainers have a sales phone call or an evaluation. And so what about follow-up after that? And again, I know the general consensus is if they're interested, they'll reach back out to me. Well, baloney. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess they will. Of course they will. That's happened. But they will reach out far more if you reach out to them. And so we are pretty religious on our follow-up after an eval. They get follow-up text messages, they get follow-up phone calls, and they get follow-up emails. And frankly, they get follow-up emails forever. We send out once a week emails forever reminding them. But we found, and, and I have the data, but I don't have a good way of putting it together between all of our salespeople. And so I'm going to give you some rough numbers here. We do sales a couple different ways. In some of our locations, we do it entirely over the phone. And in other locations, we do in-person evaluations. And when we're doing sales entirely over the phone, about 40 to 50% of our sales end up coming after the phone call. So we do a phone call, we talk with the people, they're interested, but they don't buy on that call. 40 to 50% of our sales come because we follow up after. So a day later, we're following up, two days after that, we're following up, a day after that, we're following up, and then there's the email forever. That's huge. That, I mean, that's huge. I mean, because if we were not doing that, we would be missing out on almost half of our revenue. I can't imagine what our business would be like if we didn't do that follow-up. And again, if people are saying, oh, but they're not going to be a good client. Baloney. We've got great clients overall. Every now and then we don't have, we have some that are bad, but we've got great clients overall. And so nothing about the follow-up ends up with them being bad clients. And now in-person sales, 
it's more about 10 to 15%. And the reason being is in-person sales, you're going to get a higher take rate in person because you're right there with them. And you've got that trust built because you're in the same room with them. You're in their home, they're in your training center, whatever. And so, so we have less sales on the follow-up from in-person sales, but still it's about 10 to 15% of our sales from in-person follow-ups come from follow-up. You know, that we did the eval and they're like, yeah, let me think about it. And then later on they buy. That's 10 to 15% of our sales. So still significant portion. You know, one of our locations where we do in-person evaluations, you know, it's about a $700,000 a year location. And so 10 to 15% is about $7,200,000. So without follow-up, can you imagine... Can you imagine leaving six, seven, eight thousand dollars on the table every month because you just don't want to follow up? That's what we would be doing if we didn't follow up. So let me go ahead and close now because hopefully I've made my case. And if I haven't, then um, then I'm I'm not a very good salesperson. But hopefully I've made my case that number one, follow up is no indication of whether or not somebody's going to be a good client. And number two, if you are not following up with both leads and with evaluations that you've done, you are leaving an enormous amount of money on the table to the tune, depending on the size of your business, to the tune of a couple, to several, to many, many thousands of dollars per month you're leaving on the table if you decide that you are not going to do follow-up. So do the follow-up and listen to all the rest of our episodes. So while you're on here, on PetLifeRadio.com. Go over to Six Figure Dog Business. Listen to all the rest of our episodes. We've got a lot of good ones. And then while you're on the site, listen to all the other episodes because there's a bunch of cool shows on this uh, on PetLifeRadio.com. And then when you're done with all that, head over to DogTrainerSalesClub.com and see what we're doing to help dog trainers grow their business. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.